Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's Sermon Podcast. As we approach God's Word, let's take a prayerful breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Listen to God's Word this day. Turn to God's Word this morning. Our first scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians in the fourth chapter, verses 5 through 10. Let us listen to God's Word. We do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. And from the book of Colossians, reading from the third chapter, verses 12 through 17. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are a lot of people in recent years who say that you don't need the church or for that matter, any religious community. The number who check the box of none in these various surveys when it comes to defining their religion is growing. 
Then there are a lot of people who claim to be spiritual but not religious. I can't tell you how many strangers have come up to me through the years and told me something like this when they learn I'm a minister. I found I really don't need the church. I can worship God in nature. That's my cathedral. Every time they think they're the first person that's told me that. <laughs> Among those who once attended church, there are a number of people who have slipped away. During the pandemic, a number of people discovered online worship. I don't need the church, someone once told Carrie and me. I can watch and hear great preachers from all over the world with my cup of coffee and while I'm still in my pajamas, and I don't have to sit through the other stuff. Then there are all those who might like to be here, but just find it too hard, too little time in their busy schedules. I don't have the time or energy for church, someone said. With all that I have to do, Sunday my, is my time to catch up on rest. In light of all that, who does need the church? The best way to answer that question is by asking and answering another question. Why the church? Why do we bring our children to the font to be baptized into the church? Why? Because... Because the church is God's gift, not just for Christians, but for the whole world. The church is not a human-created voluntary association or club that believers a while back got together to form in which we can join and pay our dues like any other organization. No, we believe this about the church, that it is a divine institution, a living organization that God has made. That's not to say that the church always acts in godly ways. Far from it. We are too imperfect for that to happen. That's why we do have a prayer of confession every week. And that is why Paul uses the image of a clay jar or an earthen vessel to describe the church. Something very ordinary, not fancy. Something that might be flawed, even cracked. But this earthen, earthen vessel carries treasure, Paul tells us. The church is the clay vessel which God has chosen to pour divine gifts into the world. It is a vessel into which God pours God's very self. Why do we need the church? Because the church, cracked and flawed though it may be, is the vessel God gives to give us what we need. What is that? What is it that we need? Well, first, through the vessel of the church, God gives us what we need to believe. Without the church, how would anyone come to faith in the first place? No Christian is self-made. Whether as a child or as an adult, we came to faith because someone shared the gospel with us. At home, in church, on a retreat, or all of the above, Someone told us about God's love for us. Whether through casual conversations away from this building or more structured classes and seminars or worship services in this building, or simply by the way they lived their lives, someone showed us what it looks like, what it sounds like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Someone shared the gospel with us, and someone shared the gospel with them. Because for 2,000 years, that's how God has decided to work, from one generation to another. 
one generation to another sharing the gospel. Sometimes people shared it with words, but more often it was with actions. As someone has said, the gospel is not a set of abstract truths to be announced, but a way of life to be lived. And to live out love in the way of Christ Jesus, we need examples. We need models. We need mentors. I remember one woman who grew up in a troubled household. She was looking back and she said, you know, when I think about it, in my life, what the church did was teach me how to love. To be sure, the disciples who taught her about love were imperfect. We disciples always are. We are earthen vessels, ordinary and flawed, but by God's grace and design, we bear divine treasure. Some people ask, can't you be a Christian without being part of a church? I ask, how can there be any Christians in future generations without a church to pass on that faith? Second, through the church, God gives us what we need to grow. There's something missing when people talk about worshiping in nature or worshiping in the comfort of home. Can you guess what it is? Other people. It's tempting to think about how spiritual we can be as long as we don't have to worry about other people. But as the poet and preacher John Donne wrote, no man or woman is an island. Jesus lived in community. He gathered disciples around him. What was good for Peter and Paul and Martha and Mary is good for us. Jesus does not call us to be disciples on our own. Jesus always calls us to be disciples in community. Listen again to the instructions that Paul gives to the church in Colossians 3. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against the other, forgive each other. In other words, what Paul is saying to us is expect when you gather with the church to have reason to be impatient with others. But how else can you learn patience? Expect to have reason to complain about others. But how else can you learn not to complain, especially to other people about them? Expect to be wronged. But that is how we learn to forgive as others have forgiven us. Increasingly in our society, people are sorting themselves so that they live and interact more and more with people like themselves who come from the same income bracket, who come from the same age bracket, who like the same music and media, who think the same way and vote the same way. But that is not the church. We are here not because we pick each other, but because God has picked us. Today, a church congregation can be one of the few places in our lives or in the world where we do interact with people of different ages and income brackets, different politics, different tastes in music. What a gift that diversity can be when we read the scriptures together to widen our perspective. What a gift that diversity can be when we follow the way of Christ and seek to understand 
rather than judge. Seek to see each other as unique children rather than as some stereotype. How refreshing it can be when we choose each other rather than choose sides. As God has chosen us. Third, God gives us a church so that we can persevere in the way of Christ. There are a lot of things that we can do alone. Being a Christian isn't one of them. Following Christ can be hard, but it is far easier when we are around people who are trying to do the same, whether we are 5 or 15 or 35 or 55 or 75. Life can be hard, but when doubts or losses or illness or heartache comes, as it will come for all of us, how much better it is to face that not alone, but with someone standing beside us. Michael Linval grew up near Lake Michigan and recalls watching the birds along the lake, and especially two kinds, seagulls and Canada geese. The gulls, he later wrote, always flew alone. They would rise high with the breeze of the lake and then swoop down and skim the surface of the water, and they looked magnificently free. But whenever they were together, they were either squabbling over fish guts or fighting about who got to sit on which dock piling. Canada Greece geese are different. Twice a year, he writes, hundreds of thousands of them would pass overhead. Seldom would you see one alone. They usually fly in their famous V formation. In so doing, scientists say that they actually can fly 71% further than they can alone. The bird ahead creates lift that makes it easier for the bird just behind. Canada geese even have a system of rotating leadership so that the burden of being in the lead is shared. And if a bird becomes ill and has to drop out of formation, another member of the flock will always stay behind. I need the church to fly farther than I can on my own. I need the church so that I will never be left behind. I need the church so that others will not be left behind. Finally, God gives us the church so that we can answer our need to serve. The church does not exist for itself. Instead, it exists to love and worship God and to love and serve our neighbor. At the end of his, John's gospel, Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me into the world, so I now send you God gives us a church so that we can be equipped to do God's work in the world. Each week you hear announcements and see slides, whether in the e-blast or here in worship, about various ways that First Presbyterian is seeking to serve the needs of the Lehigh Valley and the world beyond. Don't think of them as requests, much less demands. <clears throat> think of them instead as opportunities. Each one of them already has some people from First Pres involved, and they find great joy and meaning in using their gifts and participating in these ministries with our neighbors near and far, and they simply want to give you a chance 
to receive that same joy and meaning. No one is expected to do everything, but surely God is nudging us all to do something. What the church asks on this Sunday and in, in this season is for each of us to intentionally and prayerfully consider how we wish to offer our gifts in the new year, our gifts of ministry, our gifts of time, our gifts of money. None of us is a billionaire, at least to the best of my knowledge, and alone we can do precious little with our time or our money. But together with God's help, there's no telling what might God might try to do in us and through us. About 25 years ago, Carrie and I got on a chartered school bus to go to downtown Philadelphia. We were not alone. On that bus were about 30 members of First Presbyterian Church in Pottstown, ranging from 85-year-old Flossie Schumacher to our 13-year-old daughter, Molly. Grateful to get out of school. It was a field trip, though, she would never forget. Our destination was the immigration court where one of our newest members was facing deportation. Charlie Guo had wandered into our church one Sunday morning. He spoke very little English, and we spoke zilch Chinese. There was a lot of smiling and nodding on that Sunday. A few Sundays later, he would come back with a letter, a letter written in English with the help of someone who could speak both languages to tell his story. And he told us that he had been very sad and lonely when he came into that church, utmost despair, not sure what he was going to do. But in that service and in the welcome he received, he found a light in the darkness and he wanted to be a Christian and be baptized. As would be true all along the way, the Holy Spirit was at work. There actually was a Chinese Presbyterian church in Philadelphia Presbytery. And we called on that pastor and Clifford Liu came out and we met together so that he could translate while we talked with Charlie, while we shared the gospel, while we heard his profession of faith. And so it was with Clifford there to help translate, we baptized Charlie on one heck of a joyful Sunday. But we also found out through those conversations with Clifford present why Charlie was so desolate when he came to us and why he was facing deportation. He was in the United States on an expired visa while his wife and son were back in China. Charlie and his wife had wanted a second child, which was then illegal under China's one-child law. They knew they might be fined, and they were saving up to pay that fine, much like a young couple saves in this country for the down payment on their first house. But instead, in that particular province, the local officials decided to make an example of Charlie and his wife because they worked for agencies of the government. So one day when Charlie was at work, officials came and took his wife to a hospital and forced an abortion before Charlie knew about it. Then to make matters worse, she lost her job and it looked like Charlie might lose his. So he came to the United States on a short-term travel visa, hoping to stay and then bring his wife and young son over. But by the time he came to us, and how someone gets from China to Potsdam, Pennsylvania is another story. But by the time he came to us, he was facing imminent deportation. 
and his hopes of bringing his wife and son seemed to have been expired. We found a young immigration attorney to represent Charlie, one who happened to have spent a year in China and so could talk to him. He warned us that it might not even be a 50-50 proposition. So on the day of Charlie's hearing, 30-some Presbyterians got on that bus in Pottstown and went down to Philadelphia to attend the hearing. When we got there, we found that the security people really didn't know what to do with us. Spectators are not common in immigration hearings. As you can imagine, it was so sad to walk down that hallway and see one lonely immigrant after another standing with a translator and that's all before a judge and with a lawyer on the other side. But grudgingly, the security people said, they guess we could sit there. I mean, when you have 85-year-old Flossie Schumacher, who was about 4'10 at your front, it's kind of hard to find us too intimidating. So we quietly watched as Charlie testified with the help of a translator and was cross-examined. He was the only witness. Finally, it came time for the judge to issue his decision, which he did from the bench. He declared that he found Charlie's claims credible and so would grant asylum. And he cited in the recorded opinion that would later be written down that the people in Charlie's church had showed up to support Charlie, and that added to his credibility. There were hugs and tears in the courtroom, and then when we got outside, a bunch of Presbyterians drew everyone's attention by singing the doxology there on a Philadelphia street corner. And it felt like the scene from It's a Wonderful Life because one of the officials from the court walked out at that moment to go to lunch and joined us in singing. And just to let you know the rest of the story, a year or so later, Charlie walked into the church with his wife and son that he had finally gotten over. And I can't make this up. The day they walked into our church for worship was the 4th of July. Who needs the church Charlie Guo did, and so did Flossie and our 13-year-old daughter and every other person on that bus, including Carrie and me. But so did the immigration court, and so does the world. So come on, geese. This flock needs to keep flying. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Presbyterian Church of Allentown's sermon podcast. We hope you'll join us for worship on Sunday morning. For more information about our congregation and our ministries, please contact the church office. Now go in peace.